Eco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. And financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Don Guerra. And now for today's environmental news brief. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief. For Thursday, March 24th, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. According to a new report from the Environmental Integrity Project, Indiana has the most polluted rivers out of any state in the country, with over 25,000 miles of river being contaminated and not suitable for human activities. The report was created to mark the 50th year anniversary of the signing of the Clean Water Act, which hoped to have clean rivers across the United States in 10 years. While many scientists and environmentalists still hope to reach this goal now, there are many problems hindering it in Indiana. The state suffers from an overabundance of bacteria and nutrients in the water coming from agricultural sources. This occurs because agricultural runoff is barely regulated by the Clean Water Act. Steps are being made to raise awareness concerning this issue across the state. However, the one area that Indiana does exceed in includes its water testing facilities which tests more water than any other state, hoping to ensure clean drinking water for Hoosiers. Last week's fire at a Walmart fulfillment center in Plainfield, Indiana, is likely to have led to contaminated pollutants affecting the air quality. The Environmental Protection Agency has confirmed that there was a high level of fine particulate matter in the form of microscopic dust or soot. This has the potential to be stuck inside the lungs if inhaled. Residents near the fire have been warned to wear N95 masks and gloves when cleaning up any of the fire debris nearby. These contaminants can cause breathing problems and possibly lead to cancer. The EPA has stated that there has not been any sign of the fire affecting water quality. Federal investigators have yet to determine what exactly caused the fire or what allowed it to spread so fast throughout the distribution center. On a positive note, four Bengal tigers housed in cramped cages for almost two decades as part of a circus act have been rescued by Four Paws International, an animal welfare organization from the country of Argentina, in the country of Argentina. The tigers, which had never touched grass or seen the sky, were finally able to live at the Lion's Rock Big Cat Sanctuary in South Africa. While they are still in a fenced-off enclosure for now, it represents the closest thing to a natural habitat for these majestic creatures. This group of tigers, once approved for release by a veterinarian after a few more months of study, will be free to move into a mega enclosure and thus be able to live as close as possible to how their natural habitat counterparts do. 
that's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzapfel. In today's feature report, IER reporter Enrique Sands will discuss the UN Climate Emergency, which covers details of the UN Climate Emergency Declaration. That's coming up later in the program, but first, today's environmental stories. Now that the legislative session is over, what was directed at the environment? The Indiana Environmental Reporter has given its assessment, which has been edited for length. Only the major issues are included in this summary. SB 271, Small Modular Nuclear Reactors, the bill would make it easier for smaller, more advanced nuclear power plants to be built in Indiana. HB 1313, Screening Children for Lead Poisoning, this bill offers lead testing for all Indiana children under 6 through their doctor. Kids with lead poisoning can have trouble learning, behavioral issues, and poor kidney function. HB 1209, Carbon Sequestration Projects. The legislation allows companies that pollute to capture their carbon emissions and store them underground. HB 1196, Homeowners Associations and Solar Power. It allows a homeowner to petition their homeowners association to get solar panels on their roof, but the association would have a say in how the panels look. SB 411, Commercial Solar and Wind Energy. Senate Bill 411 sets state guidelines for where wind and solar farms can be located. HB 1221, Electric Vehicles and Electricity Pricing. Businesses like gas stations would be able to sell electric vehicle charging under this bill without being subject to state utility rules. However, it requires businesses selling EV charging to get their energy from their local utility. Solar advocates worry that could prevent businesses with solar panels from offering greener, cheaper charging options. U.S. oil and gas companies are using Russia's invasion of Ukraine to push back against the Biden administration's climate agenda. The American Petroleum Institute, a lobby group which represents ExxonMobil, Chevron, and Shell, tweeted out a series of policy suggestions hours before the invasion began. The Guardian reported, the oil industry group called for permits for fossil fuel extraction on public lands, a five-year offshore leasing plan, speeding up the permitting process for fossil fuel infrastructure, and reducing legal and regulatory uncertainty. The fossil fuel industry argument is that more U.S. oil and gas production will help reduce costs at home and support countries in Europe which get around a third of its gas from Russia. The Guardian explained, however, environmental groups take a different message away from the Ukraine crisis and the resulting shocks to the global energy market. They argue that fossil fuels contribute to both an unstable climate and an unstable energy landscape. It's pretty typical of the oil and gas industry to talk about how reliable fossil fuels are when any big storm that happens or any time a war pops up, their reliability is thrown into question. Wars aren't fought over solar energy. You don't see these huge price spikes in clean energy. However, the administration so far is rejecting the call to drill baby drill. 
The Biden administration aims to switch all federally owned cars and trucks to electric vehicles to save the climate and Americans' health. U.S. Postal Service vehicles constitute a third of the government's fleet, but Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, a Trump donor and appointee, has announced plans to spend up to $11.3 billion on approximately 165,000 new gas-powered delivery trucks over the next decade. Alarmed, the EPA and White House Council on Environmental Quality wrote to the Postal Service urging it to reconsider its plans to purchase mostly gas-powered vehicles and to undertake a new, more thorough technical analysis of the situation. Transportation is the largest single source of greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S., and proponents of electric vehicles saw the Postal Service's purchase of electric vehicles as a boost to the industry. Besides Biden officials, environmental groups, state regulators, and the United Auto Workers all favor the Postal Service's conversion of its fleet to electric vehicles. If the Postal Service ignores the Biden administration's objections and orders new gas-powered trucks, environmental groups have vowed to sue. Adrian Martinez, an attorney with the environmental law firm Earth Justice, said that the group suing would have a strong case. Concerned about the environmental and human toll from Russia's invasion to Ukraine, over 1,000 organizations and individuals from more than 75 countries released an open letter expressing their solidarity with the people of Ukraine. The environmental impacts include the release of toxic materials into air, water, and soil from crumbling buildings, impaired sanitation systems, exploded pipelines, and damaged industrial facilities like fuel and chemical storage sites. Experts fear that the fighting could escalate, with Russia targeting Ukraine's hydroelectric dams, toxic mine tailing dams, and hazardous waste storage sites. And a miscalculation could destabilize one of Ukraine's 15 active nuclear reactors. Recently, Russian forces seized one of those nuclear sites in the southern part of Ukraine, but a fire reported at the plant was extinguished, and there was no immediate indication that radiation leaked into the atmosphere. But the forest surrounding the defunct Chernobyl plant may pose a hazard if it catches fire, which could inject a plume of radioactive smoke and ash enough into the atmosphere to be carried hundreds or even thousands of miles away. The timing of this hostility comes just as countries were finally becoming serious about climate change. Now, for example, two offshore oil platforms will not be closed. Had Europe converted to solar and wind, Russia would have less power over European lives. For decades, fossil fuel companies have used public relations or PR firms to fabricate their image, protect their reputation, greenwash their activities, and spread disinformation to the public. These PR firms operate in the shadows, but are a key element of big oil success in deceiving the public and stopping progress on climate action. The world's largest PR firm, Edelman, is one of the top offenders, taking $440 million from the American Petroleum Institute, the U.S.'s largest oil and gas trade group, while claiming it promotes, quote, climate-friendly values, end quote. In 2015, Edelman promised to stop working with the coal industry, but recent reports revealed that the PR giant broke its promise and received over $3 million from the National Mining Association, one of the largest lobbying groups for the coal industry. 
after Edelman received renewed calls from the climate movement in January to drop its fossil fuel clients, CEO Richard Edelman released a list of new climate principles for the company. But what Edelman didn't do was commit to dropping its fossil fuel industry clients, making its new principles another piece of empty PR. Environmentalists have begun a campaign to pressure Edelman to drop all its coal, oil, and gas industry clients. If the company wants to take meaningful action on the climate crisis, it can't profit from spreading lies on behalf of the fossil fuel industry. In 2018, Boulder, Colorado sued two fossil fuel companies for damages and adaption costs resulting from the climate crisis. The companies in question were ExxonMobil and Suncor Energy, which owns the state's only refinery. The co-plaintiffs in the lawsuit, Boulder County and San Miguel County, estimated that the damage would cost them over $100 million by 2050. According to the Union of Concerned Scientists, Elliot Negrin, writing in Counterpunch, quote, As it turns out, they overestimated the time span and underestimated the price tag. End quote. The reason for this error was the Marshall Fire, which hit Boulder County in December, destroying over 6,000 acres and burning up 1,000 houses and seven commercial buildings. In terms of property loss, it was Colorado's most devastating fire, the projected cost of which was $1 billion. Four of the five largest Colorado fires in terms of acreage burned have taken place since 2018. They incinerated from a 108,000 to almost 209,000 acres. The Colorado communities claim that the two oil companies knew as early as 1968 that burning fossil fuels caused the climate crisis. That was the year a report by the oil and gas industry's main trade group came out saying so. The community's complaint states that after the report came out, ExxonMobil and Suncor continued to produce and sell fossil fuel products without notifying the public of the risks and also carried out a decades-long disinformation campaign to sow doubt about the climate crisis. If you are staring at your energy bill this winter and wondering why it is so high, you're not alone. The cost of natural gas went up 24% in February as compared to the year before, and electricity went up by 9%, The Guardian reported. This means that customers are seeing some of their highest electricity bills in years, the Wall Street Journal reported. A large part of the price surge has to do with natural gas, as natural gas power plants supply about 40% of U.S. power. Gas is in a crunch for a variety of reasons. Prices initially fell during 2020 because of lower demand due to the coronavirus pandemic. However, prices began to climb again in 2021 as demand increased but supply was limited due to climate-fueled extreme weather events in oil and gas-producing regions. These included a deep freeze in Texas in February of last year and Hurricane Ida, which put the pause button on oil production in the Gulf of Mexico. During the winter, demand naturally increased while the global supply was limited, according to the Wall Street Journal. The situation was made worse by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which worsened the global gas shortage. This means that prices won't necessarily fall when the weather warms. The situation is especially dire in the Northeast, which gets a lot of its electricity from gas. There, electricity costs rose by 16% in January as compared to the year before. 
Also in January, the New York metropolitan area experienced the biggest increase in electricity prices in more than 50 years. And now for our feature, IER reporter Enrique Sands will discuss the UN Climate Emergency Declaration. Spring has not yet officially sprung, but it's getting there. Trees are beginning to bud, some of our feathered friends are back from their winter journey south, and you can go outside with just a sweater on some days. That feels nice. But while we enjoy the blue skies and the warm kiss of sun on these cool days, a clock is ticking. Every second that ticks by is one less that we have to make the drastic changes we need to ensure we don't feel the absolute worst effects of climate change like increased flooding and heat, according to a major new report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The report, written by hundreds of scientists from 67 countries assembled by the United Nations, finds that human-caused climate change will increase the amount of flooding and other expensive extreme weather events. It will also decrease the amount of food available, disrupt supply chain infrastructure and trade, increase health risks and mortality, and lead to many other negative effects in North America and the rest of the world. This is UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Today's IPCC report is an atlas of human suffering and a damning indictment of failed climate leadership. With fact upon fact, this report reveals how people and the planet are getting clobbered by climate change. Nearly half of humanity is living in the danger zone now. Many ecosystems are at the point of no return now. And checked carbon pollution is forcing the world's most vulnerable on a frog march to destruction now. The facts are undeniable. This abdication of leadership is criminal. The world's biggest polluters are guilty of arson on our only home. It is essentially to meet the goal of limiting global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees. And science tells us that will require the world to cut emissions by 45% by 2030 and achieve net zero emissions of greenhouse gases by 2050. But according to current commitments, global emissions are set to increase almost 14% over the current decade. That spells catastrophe. But despite this and previous warnings, Indiana's government is working to prolong the life of fossil fuels rather than to seriously decrease the state's significant greenhouse gas output from fossil fuel emissions. Decades of nearly unchecked greenhouse gas emissions from transportation, electricity production, industrial emissions, agriculture, and other sectors of the U.S. economy have trapped heat in the atmosphere in amounts so large the planet has warmed more in the past century than at any point in the last 11,000 years. Fossil fuels make up more than 93% of the energy consumed in Indiana and 70% of the electricity produced in Indiana is produced by coal-fired generation. The deep roots fossil fuels have in the state have led Indiana to emit 188.3 million metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions in 2018, ranking it eighth among U.S. states despite ranking 17th in population. Here's why that matters. The trapped heat has changed the Earth's climate, resulting in a hotter, wetter Hoosier state that is costing communities many millions of dollars a year to mitigate. The average annual temperature in Indiana has increased 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit since 1895, increasing the chance of extreme heat. The higher temperatures are negatively affecting, among other things, Indiana's agriculture, infrastructure, and air quality. The average annual rate of precipitation in Indiana has increased 5.6 inches in the same time period, with rain falling in large amounts in short periods of time. 
increasing the risk of flooding and pushing the state's aging water infrastructure to its limits. The Indiana Finance Authority estimates it will cost $2.3 billion to replace water lines statewide and at least $815 million will be needed annually to maintain them. Indiana is mostly spared from what are currently the worst climate change effects, but that may not be the case in the future, according to the IPCC report. This is Inger Anderson, executive director of the UN Environment Program. Climate change isn't lurking around the corner waiting to pounce. It's already, already upon us, raining down blows on billions of people. We're seeing dangerous disruption across the natural world. Species are migrating in search of more livable conditions. In climate risk hotspots, deaths from floods, droughts or storms were 15 times higher than those in more resilient countries over the last decade. This is climate injustice, particularly for indigenous people and local communities. And all of this and more at only 1.1 degrees Celsius of global warming. Even if we limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, the blows will come harder and faster. As things stand, we're heading to closer to three degrees Celsius. We are in an emergency heading for a disaster. We can't keep taking these hits and treating the wounds. Soon those wounds would be too deep, too catastrophic to heal. We need to soften and slow the blows by cutting greenhouse gas emissions. But we also need to cushion the blows by picking up our efforts to adapt to climate change, which have been too weak for too long. Electric utilities in the state have begun the process of reducing their climate impact by retiring coal-fired power plants and adopting utility-scale renewable systems. But those same utilities have often replaced coal plants with plants powered by natural gas, an energy source made up mostly of methane, a greenhouse gas at least 25 times more potent at trapping heat in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide. Instead of working to reduce the state's climate change impact in the long term, State lawmakers have focused on propping up the fossil fuel industry and making it more difficult for state agencies to create or defend regulations that could protect Hoosiers. Just this year, Indiana lawmakers introduced bills that would prevent the state from doing business with companies that choose to become fossil fuel free, prevent state agencies from adopting rules that are more strict than bare minimum federal regulations, which we'll talk about later, and make it more costly and time consuming for state agencies to defend their actions. Those bills died in committee but there are indications at least some of them may be resurrected next year. Lawmakers here also push legislation that supports unproven clean energy projects in the state that would provide financial incentives to the companies that undertake them, but may never provide climate change benefits for Indiana. That includes projects like carbon capture and sequestration, small modular nuclear reactors, and underground pumped storage hydropower. Legislators did pass a bill that incentivized communities for voluntarily adopting siting requirements for renewable energy projects, but it passed with the incentives removed. Lawmakers said incentives would be reintroduced through other mechanisms, but haven't yet elaborated. Here's what they didn't do. Legislative committees refused to hear a resolution that would formally acknowledge climate change and its causes, as well as bills that would establish a task force to develop a climate action plan for the state and prolong the life of net metering. That's the tariff that allowed homeowners with residential solar systems to sell back unused generated energy to utilities at rates friendly to the homeowners. 
In 2021, Indiana lawmakers have also passed a law that takes away local government's power to restrict the local use of natural gas and other fossil fuels or to set energy saving or energy producing regulations. And in 2020, they made it more difficult for energy companies to retire coal-fired power plants. Some Hoosiers in the executive branch have also been fighting on the side of climate change. The state of Indiana, by way of Attorney General Todd Rokita, is part of several efforts to restrict the federal government's powers to limit greenhouse gas emissions. Rokita joined the Republican attorneys general of 11 other states in a lawsuit that challenged the Biden administration's reintroduction of a Bush-era method for calculating the social cost of greenhouse gases in cost-benefit analyses. A federal judge in Louisiana blocked the administration from using a higher estimate for the damage that each ton of greenhouse gas pollution causes society. Rokita also tied the state to a lawsuit heard by the U.S. Supreme Court February 28th that could curtail the power of the U.S. EPA to reduce domestic greenhouse gas emissions. A ruling on that case is expected later this year. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Don Kara. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. McCormick's Creek State Park will be hosting an amphibian outing kickoff on Friday, March 25th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. and on Saturday, March 26th from 9.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. You will join the naturalists and experts from the Hoosier Herpetological Society to learn all about amphibians. On Friday, you will meet at the well-known amphibian pond. The kickoff will have hikes, talks, displays, and kids' activities. And now for some upcoming events. McCormick's Creek State Park will be hosting an amphibian outing kickoff on Friday, March 25th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. and on Saturday, March 26th from 9.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. You will join the naturalists and experts from the Hoosier Herpetological Society to learn all about amphibians. On Friday, you will meet at the well-known amphibian pond. The kickoff will have hikes, talks, displays, and kids' activities. Enjoy an evening excursion at Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area to watch the American Woodcock perform its mating ritual, the Sky Dance, on Saturday, March 26th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Learn about the Woodcock's migration, habitat needs, and how the Indiana DNR is working to conserve the American Woodcock. Meet at the main office. Learn who might be visiting your backyard and how to read the signs animals leave behind at the Animal Tracking Basics and Beyond class at the Wapahani Mountain Bike Park on Saturday, March 26th from 12.30 to 2 p.m. Get a better understanding of the basics of animal behavior and how it relates to survival strategies. Bring drinking water and wear sturdy boots. Register at bloomington.in.gov parks. You can be what goes bump in the night. 
Explore the trails under the cover of darkness on this Know the Night night hike at Leonard Springs Nature Park on Saturday, March 26th from 9 to 10.30 p.m. As you move through the park, you will listen carefully for signs of nocturnal wildlife. Guides will provide headlamps. Meet in the parking lot. Register at bloomington.in.gov forward slash parks. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's news brief was produced by WFHB reporter Nathaniel Weinzappel. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. Juliana Daly assembled the script and Linda Green, Don Guerra, and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Don Guerra. And this is Eco Report.